Hi Swifties, welcome back to the evolution of a snake. This is a continuation, our final part of 2015. It's crazy, we're finally here at the end. And just for a little bit of context, we are picking up from the end of the 2015 VMAs, and we are about to start discussing the Wildest Dreams music video. If you like this podcast, make sure to follow us on Instagram at Evolution of a Snake, on Twitter at TSwift Podcast, and visit our buymeacoffee.com slash the snakes page to tip us if you enjoyed this work. There was also a video of her backstage on one of those like live cams, those feeds, um, and it looks like she's snorting coke. Obviously, we know that she's not, she's blowing her nose, but like if you look at the video, it kind of does look like she is. Yeah, I, I watched it and I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> <Oops>. <laughs> sniff, sniff, Oop. bitch. Sniff, sniff, bitch. <laughs> In more interesting news, the Wildest Dream music video premieres at the VMA pre-show. And this is the first like organized backlash she has received since the 1989 campaign started. And we're pretty much a year into the getting popped every day nonstop friendship world tour. Um, so I think what happened with the wildest dreams, we'll get into like what the wildest dreams music video was, but what happened, I think in response to it coming out was the outrage was so loud that Taylor was forced to respond to it by donating all the proceeds to a wildlife foundation in Africa. I don't know exactly what country in Africa, but somewhere. Um, so the video is like, how would you describe this, Madeline? It's like a classic Hollywood um, story, I guess. Yeah, like an old yeah, they Hollywood like went, film. They went, it was kind of like out of Africa. Like they went to Africa to film a love movie and they fell in love in Africa. And then when they came back to America, it wasn't the same anymore. And everything. And he was had a girlfriend and, and she showed up at the premiere. Girl. Yeah. And he was in love with somebody else, blah, blah, blah. Okay, so first of yeah. all, I mean, removing this from any historical context, this video is the fucking serve of all serves. It is. It is everything. This video is everything to me. The last 30 seconds of this video go absolutely mm. buck wild insane. Like her walking into the premiere, she's wearing that brown wig, which looks really good on her, by the way. She's wearing, I mean, this was that this was that she had the body to be doing a video like this at this time with this theme and those clothes. She walks in, she's she's giving, she's serving face, she's serving expression. It's the only kind of acting that she should ever do. You know, that kind of pure cinema, tight close-up shots with no words, no dialogue at all. She's charismatic on screen until she starts talking. Um, but yeah, so I think that the I can surmise the the drama with this as that she was art, she was glamorizing a period of time that was obviously colonialist and racist. So she wasn't necessarily, in my view, glamorizing those things but I suppose you could make this argument about any kind of period piece that if you do a period piece now and you don't acknowledge those things you're endorsing them in some way um but it's a pop music video and I don't really see how if you're doing this in three minutes you could you could get around that or do justice to attacking the issue in full um I, yeah, I, I guess I don't I didn't really see that there was a huge problem with this and she also donated all the proceeds so I feel like that kind of, I mean, if there was an issue, I suppose that solves it, but I could be wrong. Madeline, what do you think? Um, I, to me, it wasn't great. Like here, it wasn't even so much about like glamorizing old Hollywood, which of course was, <laughs> I mean, it was in the fifties and sixties. So, I mean, do the math, but um, I, to me, it was more about like, she was in Africa and the only people of color that you see in the video are people who are serving her in some way. Um, so there's that. 
there's that. All I'm thinking and of is like, the tied up shots on her face. I haven't watched the video in a long time. I'm just I've thinking of like the once. serves. <laughs> I've seen it once. I hate it. I absolutely despise this music. Video. Really? Even um, the last, I the last part it. where she's going into despise the premiere it. and she sees him with the girl. I hate it. Wow. Hate it. You're sick. <laughs> I hate it. Well, because you're here's sick. the thing is that, well, you know, Wildest Dreams is like one of my top three songs of all time. And it's like, you could have done just about like it felt like they were in a room brainstorming and they were like oh wow wildest dreams wild 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 africa and it's just like the <laughs> most like, you know what like i'm that. saying i didn't it's think like about it like that yeah, so. here's it there's more to like what people were saying than just like it glamorized colonialism which it kind of does and it's like it's not the worst thing ever like i'm not saying that she deserved to be canceled for it but it was like you know it's one of those things that's like right there could have been done in a different way and it's like also donating to a wildlife foundation it's like bitch we're not talking about the fucking giraffes (laughs) you know what i mean well just like seriously and also i think the wig is bad too it's so clear that she was like trying to channel like elizabeth taylor and it's like boo boo he will never be (laughs) he will never be i liked it i liked this video (laughs) no i I don't, uh, it, it, to me, it's like more about like everything surrounding it. And it's like another thing that happened, which is like, I'm not going to go and dig this up because I hate him so bad, but like Joseph Kahn like doubled Ugh, down on it I know. in a really, really bad way. So it's like it, everything surrounding it is bad. And mm. it's like, I mean, it didn't have to be in Africa. That's the thing. Like it could have been anywhere on planet on set anywhere australia even australia <laughs> same oh vibe. my god same vibe the kangaroos like literally <laughs> anything anything else other than africa it's like i said again it was like they're playing word association what's that's wild? true africa. i haven't thought about it like and, you that. know what i mean but i, I do it, like messy. the video okay but okay yes, I, it fine. does I have see. good visuals it has I see. it has good, has good visuals. visuals joseph khan yeah. when he when he gets it right he does it really well, as in he he captures yeah. her her beauty, her eleganza um, very well. Something but that uh, I agree a with you. Particular a visual that like sticks with me is when she's in the yellow dress. Um, <gasps> I, I think love she looks it. really pretty there. So I mean, there's good moments. And when she's in like, the car driving I, away at the end, and she's looking at him in the rear yeah. view. I mean, I'm not saying it was like the worst thing ever that she deserved to be tarred and feathered, but like it's not great, and it's like comes back to again, she just doesn't think of shit that way. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's, she doesn't she's just think completely bamboozled, completely bamboozled mm. by the backlash. Like, why is everybody so mad? Mm. <laughs> it's like, well, it's like, because I wonder what your conference room looks like. I wonder how I wonder, like, who the decision makers on this video were. Yeah. Sounds like it wasn't a very diverse crew. <laughs> I mean, look at watch Miss Americana and look yeah, at her seriously team. for a terrifying yeah. <laughs> look at the, the yeah. meat sacks that are on her team. Um, but this yeah. was this was another top five hit from 1989, as it should be. Of course, it did really well as in the charts. And be. can I point out that the music video has a different version of the song? The last chorus goes crazy. It goes insane. They added some drums. It is, yeah. It's really insane. And it's not on streaming. You can't find it anywhere other than watching the video, which, you know, if you are, don't like the video, like Madeline, you won't encounter this version very frequently. But I encourage you all to listen <laughs> to it. It adds, it adds, I always felt like with Wildest Dreams, the standard version on 1989, there was something missing, like just percussion wise. It was a little too synth heavy. I wanted it to be grounded a little bit more with some percussion. And the, the music video really showed me what I was missing, just in terms of the, the music. Yeah. Uh, Wildest Dreams is definitely one of those songs that like deserves to have a music video. So I was really happy when it when she got one. But um, I I think that she could have gone a lot of different directions, and what she chose was kind of a fucking mess. She never does a good video for your favorite songs. Never. 
you no, specifically. For, for, well, the thing is that Look What You Made Me Do was never a favorite song until I saw the video. That was one of those songs that like needed yeah. the video to make Inseparable. it make fucking, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, none of my favorite songs get like a really excellent video. What's that about? What's that about? Well, my songs don't even (laughs) get videos, so (laughs) (laughs) they just completely just get ignored forever. Yeah. Um, But yeah, Yeah. so while this dreams conundrum kind of like a 50% serve. Um, So September, this is a chill month compared to the rest of the year. She's still on tour. It's kind of amazing that the 1989 tour was literally like less than a year long. That's crazy to me. It was like, it started in May and it ended in December. That's insane. The red tour lasted almost a year and a half. So it's kind of like, so much happened on the 1989 tour in such a short period of time. So while she's on tour, she gets an Emmy for the MasterCard 360 immersive experience for blank space, whatever that EGOT, EGOT, EGOT in her reach, probably not, can't act. If she could act, then maybe, (laughs) maybe one day she'll get it together. But I really, you know what? I can't even say that. She won't. She can't act. If she's going to get an Oscar, if she's going to get an Oscar, it's going to be for best original song. And that's it. It's going to have to be, or all too well short film, maybe. She is with uh, that Crawdads movie, Reese Witherspoon, mm-hmm. but that shit's not getting any fucking Oscars. I mean, no. I can just tell. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> it, it's, for some reason, she has trouble attaching herself to prestige film product projects. I wonder why. She's a terrible actress. <laughs> <laughs> she can't. Terrible she can't even get Joe Alwyn a good role. Okay, she's How's never she to get gonna gaga. She will never oh. gaga. It's never gonna. It's happen. not in her reach. It's not her. No. Um, no. So, uh, yeah, Calvin Harris is papped exiting a happy ending massage parlor. Ew. Um, he threatens to sue. <laughs> he threatens to sue the people that took photos of him on Twitter. Tree Payne gets involved, which to me is very fishy. I don't know why she would go to bat for him on Taylor's orders, but like he's not paying her. And it also makes him look more guilty for Tree Payne to like step in and intervene. Like it looks weird. She tweeted and was like, don't listen to anything radar online, which the people who are reporting it says ever. It's like, okay, all right. Hey, tree. Okay, tree. And then we have uh, a, an extreme miscarriage of justice, 1989, the Ryan Adams version. Why? Mm-hmm. Why was this allowed to happen? One Madeline, of the why? worst why? things, it, it, one of the worst things that has ever happened to music in the history of ever. Let's or take to people, a huge- to humanity. And reimagining a record is awesome, but it's like, I would never, I mean, it's kind of like when <laughs> Taylor reimagined, um, God, what's the name of that song? uh do you remember oh september yeah september like that mm, that's nobody wants to hear that song done that way same thing Mm. with 1989 there's no appetite for it fucking buddy no one wants to hear the acoustic version of 1989 it's made like that for a reason no it pissed my ass off everybody's acting like oh wow this is amazing it's like no 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 no. it was amazing when taylor did it not this fucking washed up old bag (laughs) literally (laughs) this unshaven overweight man no thank you no thank you um so she was like she was fully in support of this though this is the problem so ryan adams like i mean i guess he's like a respected songwriter i didn't think he was all that but apparently like to taylor he was all that because she was like fully in support of him doing a acoustic covers version of her album and she went as far as to call them reimaginings not just covers and that is just fucking embarrassing because he reimagined them as pieces of shit because yeah, he reimagined them with his guitar. Like literally, <laughs> it's not reimagining when you do an acoustic version of a song. You just slow it's it just down, bitch. It's not that hard. Song. It's not that hard. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, the response to this, I mean, it, it reeks of the misogyny that Taylor often encounters yeah. as a musician because the critics and what's were going, funny, oh my God, wow, this is actually a really great album. And it's like, yeah. She's fucking yeah, clapping. She was clapping for the misogyny. Ironically enough, that's the problem. 
She was like, yes, this gives me some credibility. And it's like, girl, no, you earned the credibility by yourself. You didn't need to get it from this flop. She thought feminism was showing up with Gigi Hadid everywhere. That's it. (laughs) Gigi Hadid and the Blair Witch. And that was it. (laughs) That was all. Um, so, but then he was canceled and never heard from ever again. So, you know, we we all get our comeuppance when we disrespect the canon. Mm -hmm. Um, and some, I mean, if you listen to it, I recommend that you don't, but there are some that are just like truly fucking awful. Like some of them are really like the shake it off or welcome to New York. Horrible. So bad. Very bad. Also that song should net those, that album specifically should never be covered by a man. I hate it when men cover Taylor Swift songs. But 1989 is literally a girl's album. It's not even for it's not even for the girls and gays. It's for the girls. Like this one is for yeah. the single girls who are putting on their crop tops and their high-waisted shorts and moving to New York City. Anyone else is a spectator. Anyone else? You can't participate. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Not you sit there, you. you watch, you clap, that's it. Exactly. Don't open your fucking mouth. Don't try and get in yeah. on the action. It's not for you. And some people really have a hard time accepting that. Now, people have a really hard time accepting that not everything is made for them, especially men, <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. uh, you know, period. <laughs> Everybody wants a piece of the pie, but nobody wants to give yeah. Taylor her dues. Typical. Yes. Unfortunately, Typical. Todrick Hall enters the Taylor Swift universe. This no! <laughs> no! <laughs> Go away, yes. demon. Be gone, Banshee. Not in this house. The power does, of Christ compels you. Literally. He does the splits in her dressing room on tour and she Instagrams it. Her quality control filter, to be fair, was completely broken at this point. Like a stray still cat here. could have walked That's in and she'd be like, me. hello. Yes, he's still he's around. He's still here. I, don't under, I think he might not be anymore after all the recent kerfuffle, but like, Oh, what's the recent know. kerfuffle? Hold on, fill he, me in. I don't know about this. He was on Big Brother and he was like talking about how, he was bragging about how he does these cameos and he like, memorizes a script every time so he doesn't tailor it to each person and it's so easy to make money and he like pretend pretended that he bought this house but really he's been renting it and not paying the rent and he like asks his fans to like buy him like cat food like weird he's a strange person he's a grifter he is a grifter what he's a grifter that's pretty fucking obvious though don't you think yeah but i mean from day one i was like this is like this is a stage five clinger and I think that she has such a hard time, like, realizing when somebody is just, like, leeching onto them. I mean, look at Kanye and Kim. Well, she she also, got crucified. Taylor <laughs> was really getting a lot of criticism for not having a very diverse circle of friends. I can't help but wonder. Uh-huh. Oh, gay that's interesting. person of color ticks two boxes all at once. Gay person of color. Mm-hmm. Tick, tick. <laughs> Be in oh, my music my video, gosh. question mark. Like, you know, wow. I don't know. I hate to be cynical, but, mind. but I do think there's something you know, to that because I don't get it because there's nothing, I, there's nothing. No, it's there. not like he's excellent at what he does. <laughs> it's not like he's like known for being a talented person. It's not like he has any other reputable friends. Like it's weird. It's a weird one. Do you remember when um somebody like somebody met him on a plane? He's like, let me show you my text I have with Taylor. And oh it was God. like all fucking gray yes, or blue. Yes, it was, <laughs> it was all, all blue. No, it was all <laughs> I believe it though. That's the thing. Yeah. And you know, she, she gives him so, yeah, I mean, we'll get into this later, but that's a really, I really, that's one of her friendships that I just have never understood. It just doesn't make any sense. He's the only one who got to be a Miss Americana. Blake Lively was not in Miss Americana and Todrick was. Well, Stage Blake Lively probably cleaner. smartly was like, I'm not signing a release. And Todrick was like, I'll pay you if I can be in this. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um. So October, She's reflecting this month. She's perhaps leaving a recording studio. And I'm actually so curious about what she was recording. I wonder what it was for. Perhaps 
it might have been I don't want to live forever although I'm not entirely sure it was like the end of 2015 and I don't want to live forever did that come out that was 2017 though so maybe not I don't think it was so. like right before rep or was it after yeah rep? it was right before rep so I don't know what it was what she was doing I mean it could have been something completely benign like she could have just been like I don't know taking a meeting but you know when she's in the studio usually something's going on um yeah. we get three magazine covers this month so we get NME Vogue Australia and GQ these are both, they're all quite good, I think. Enemy is just the one look shot by Jordan Hughes. And it's giving like the best parts of the 1989 era. Crop top, high-waisted shorts. It's got like a Welcome to New York bomber tour jacket, shaggy hair. The makeup is cool. And they put a purple lip on her, which is brave because she was not going outside in anything but a nude lip or a red lip at this point. Yeah, I, I really like it um, when she does the purple lip. I think she looks really good in a purple lip and she like never does it. So there's not much juice in this interview, but her anxiety does shine through. She's having premonitions. Um, so here's a quote. It feels at times, if you let your anxiety get the better of you, like everyone's waiting for you to really mess up and then you'll be done. A lot of the time I need to call my mom and talk for a really long time just to remind myself of all the things that are great and all the things that matter. If you do something that defines your character to not, what? This doesn't make any sense. If you do, you something, do something that, that defines, defines your, your character, character to be not to what be... the public thought okay. you were, that's the biggest risk. Wow, Taylor, that was a real, was a real clunker that you said. Um, again, <laughs> I think that, you know, one of the biggest red flags, if I was like going to date Taylor, one of my biggest red flags would be, I don't have a therapist. I just talk to my mom <laughs> because everything oh, yeah. comes back to the mom. It's like Andrea must, I feel like she fills like very, very deep needs in Taylor. And Taylor thinks that everything can be solved through the perspective of her mother, which I think is maybe not the healthiest approach. No, Who am I to because say? I mean, I'm not like her mom. I mean, she's from like a different time too. It's like, mm -hmm. I don't think she really like understand everything that's and going on. And your mom like, like also loves you and is not going to like be critical of you. Especially no, and you sometimes have, like, you really need that. Mother. Yeah. But sometimes she, you need I, a therapist. I mean, this is the thing. Yeah. Sometimes you need yeah. when you're when you're dealing with problems of this magnitude and like character deficits, not character deficits, but like um personal security deficits. Like you gotta you gotta outsource the labor there. It can't be your mom. Your mother's love won't fix it, unfortunately, when you're an adult. And I feel like she just has absolutely no clue <laughs> that that's something that's true. Like I think she thinks like she said it before she doesn't fucking need therapy it's like baby girl <laughs> yes you do you're crazy you do you have no idea how much you need it the fact that you're saying yeah. that at all means that you probably need it means that i mean I, again i understand why she doesn't want to go to a therapist i get it but like girl come on now surely there's one you can pay enough to be quiet surely surely <laughs> so i mean this is interesting right like she's completely overexposed she's very aware of that and yet she will not dial it back she could at least wind down the Instagram posting or, I mean, like, you know, obviously she has professional commitments. She's to promote products or whatever it is, but she like, she could lay off the personal posting. She could lay off like talking about her friends and like posting Calvin and like her cats and all of that, but she doesn't, she is like full steam ahead. It's like she needed to run the plane into the ground and start over. And I think she said something to that effect in like Miss Americana or something, but it reminds me of, you know, the secret session when she described her relationship with Calvin as something she just couldn't claw her way out of. It's like in a certain sense, I think she had backed herself up into a corner so far with all of this stuff that the only option was to crash the plane, you know? And we're really just heading towards it now. And yeah, and over. it reminds me a lot of um, the truly mystifying portion of the Look What You Made Me Do video where she's cutting the wings off a plane. A lot of people think that refers to how they track her planes, which I guess could be true. But like, I think that, that there's something about like, 
the 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 image of crashing and burning and how she was cutting yeah exactly yeah i you know there's lots of little nuggets and look what you made me do i can't wait till we do that episode because i'm gonna be ripping it up yeah we're gonna be going (laughs) sicko mode but i mean you know the, the warm the alarm bells are going off here like they really are um so then she like, but then she says in the interview, I think I should take some time off. I think people might need a break from me. I'm going to, here's the key. I don't know. Hang out with friends, write new music, maybe not write new music. I don't know. She genuinely looks like she hasn't really thought about it yet. And therein lies the issue. She has no fucking idea what to do when she's not on worldwide girl boss campaign. Um, that's the first, That this is the first deep problem that we're getting. And it's like clear that she's been doing like the the formula for so long, two years, the cycle. You know, you you write the music, you release the album, you go on tour, you do the you do the press, and then you start over again and again and again and again. And I think there was a part of her that was like, I don't know what to do if I'm not doing that, but I know that I have to stop at some point. Um, I think yeah, I think she realized she was like, I need a break. I don't know how to give myself a break. She's like, I don't know how to stop, how to get off the the cycles. Yeah. How do I get exactly. off of it? And the only way to get off on, in a certain sense was to crash the plane. Um, yeah. So then we have GQ, one of the best covers and interviews of all time. We will never get access like this again. I'm obsessed with this cover. She looks yeah. radiant. She's got that salty, beachy, wet hair vibe. She's wearing these like casual, soft, nautical colored clothes. She's by like, I think she's in Malibu. She's by the ocean. It's kind of like the Rolling Stone shoot she did at the beginning of the album yeah. campaign, yeah. but a little bit more like Sports Illustrated. It's sexy. The makeup is subtle. The shoot isn't overly styled. It's very Cape Cod vibes. You know that I love Taylor in a classic look. I love her in clean lines, neutral colors, simple prints. I love, love this look. What do you think? It's definitely, it's it sticks out. Like I remember it more than any of the other ones that the cover itself is one of the best pictures of her ever. I, I love the, the, the damp. <laughs> oh like yeah, the, the slightly the, the damp, like, yeah, it, she, it, it reminds me too of the Rolling Stone, excuse me, Rolling Stone cover. Um, this one I think is a little bit better. Yes, um, it's better. It's just, it hits a certain spot. I love it's it. It's sexy. Yeah, it's sexy. It's sexy. And you know, smizing. She is smizing in this. Oh yeah, big time. Smizing. Tyra Banks, literally, so jealous. Oh, I was just thinking. Tyra Banks. This is what she was talking about when she was talking about smizing. How it can light up a picture. There you go. Taylor would also. Taylor would have slayed on America's Next Top Model. Can we just say she would have slayed? She would have. She would have been the picture first picture. Turn. It would have made her cry. Like they would have made her cry a couple times. That's for sure. But. Mm -hmm she would have completely won it because she's so eager to please and she takes direction yep. really well. She would have completely yep. slayed it. Um, so I found the journalist who wrote this to be one of the best that has approached her. He was very acute, very analytical, appreciative of her talents, but not in a like syncophantic way, which is how I like to think that we are about her. Um, obviously we're a little bit more flattering perhaps, um, yes. but it's a great read. It's one of the best character analysis of Taylor. And it's like, a little bit an invasive because of how sharp this particular journalist's like perception is. And this is for sure why she doesn't want journalists to have access anymore. In a way, it's kind of a violation. I see what she means. She mentioned this in her NYU speech. She was like allowing other people access to your life and then giving them free reign to like interpret that as they may and present it as true to people. That is really scary because, you know, you go into it as a celebrity being interviewed with good faith and you try and present yourself in the best way possible but ultimately like the journalist wants a story, right? So there's like a conflict of interest there. Um, 
a good journalist will go in looking for a story that is not like a hit piece. You know, you you want a story. You don't want a takedown. You just want like something interesting. And I feel like this journalist had like a very good faith approach to this. Um, so his summation of Taylor Swift's like thing, like what she does is this. There's simply no antecedent for this kind of career across genre, youth-oriented, critically acclaimed colossus based entirely on the intuitive songwriting merits of a single female artist. It's as if mid-period Garth Brooks was also early Liz Fair, minus the hat and the swearing. As a phenomenon, it's absolutely new. So true. So true, Queen. Yeah, and that's exactly why nobody can replicate what she does. All these, all these girls with their guitars—they're all so boring to me. You know, like Gracie Abrams, Holly Humberstone. Who's the other one? That's just like some Kelsey girl Ballerini with a that everybody loves. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. All these Lops, bitches. Honestly. I mean, honestly, even Casey Musgraves—it's like you're not doing yeah. anything new. They bitch, don't have the, the charisma. This is the thing. And also, yeah. you know, people love. People will acknowledge Taylor's talent as a writer. But they are very like remiss to acknowledge that she actually has done something new. Like they always want to say, like, you know, everybody says Lady Gaga is the next Madonna. That makes sense. But Taylor Swift is the next question mark. There was no one before her. She's sometimes intermittently compared to Joni Mitchell. I've also heard her compared to Bruce Springsteen in terms of like her ability to like create cultural moments and speak to larger like societal things. But you know, there's no direct comparison that makes sense. She doesn't no. have a forebear. She really is one of a fucking kind. Yeah, and I don't think anybody really appreciates that at all. <laughs> I think nobody, dumb, everybody. Dumb I mean, idiots. when you have to, when you have to list like three, four different uh, preceding, yeah, to, to, to describe compare, what I, she's kind of like. Yeah. Like you say, Lady Gaga's like Madonna, and you get it. You know exactly. You're yeah. like, yes, she's she like, is. Oh, I get it. But I mean. Fuck it. You can't say that about Taylor, but with just one person. So yeah. So she I think we won. she she slayed. She absolutely slayed. Um, so we're gonna actually talk a little bit about this um article because it is so good and it has a lot of juice to discuss. So here are some quotes. Even within the most high-minded considerations of Swift's music, there is inevitably some analysis or speculation about her personal life. She's an utterly credible musician who is consumed as a tabloid personality. Very often, and not without justification, that binary is attributed to ingrained biases against female performers. But it's more complicated than that. Swift writes about her life so directly that the listener is forced to think about her persona in order to fully appreciate what she's doing creatively. This is her greatest power, an ability to combine her art and her life so profoundly that both spheres become more interesting to everyone regardless of their emotional investment in either. Swift clearly knows that this is happening, but she can't directly admit it because it's the kind of thing that only works when it seems accidental. She's careful how she describes the process because you don't become who she is by describing things carelessly. I mean, this is a read. Like it's a very, yeah, this is <laughs> it's a read. Like he's really yeah. got, getting down into like, He's, he's, these are trade secrets, what he's revealing right now. I wonder what she thought when she read this, if she felt like I feel. She doesn't want people to be cognizant of the fact that she's doing this. That's why it works, right? Because he says it himself. Right. He's like, she knows it's happening, but she can't admit it. Her, for her to see it in black and white, I'm sure she was like, fuck, oh, I spent my whole career building this up and you see through yeah. it in one conversation so interesting because you know you don't really think of her that way like as a fan but then you start like really getting into it and like having it broken down by somebody who uh has no bias it seems mm. and like can just look into the situation and not be like i'm a fan and i don't or like i'm not a fan and i don't hate her i'm just viewing her and possibly respecting her like for what she's yeah. doing 
I can't see her that way because or taking I've yeah taking a step back so and being yeah like, I can't who what does this person yeah. mean to the culture yeah like what is she doing in culture right now that's not coming from a place of oh my god she's changing everything yeah Please, and how does it like... work that's what he's doing yeah. he's like how how right. is it working because Taylor's thing is like it is I'm goofy I'm every girl I'm like natural it's also easy it's very effortless and she talks about this later on being like one of the biggest mistakes I made was making it seem like doing this was really easy and that it required no like thought or business acumen or whatever um, so I think he was kind of getting at this before she herself was ready to talk about it, perhaps. And, you know, there are many different Taylor Swifts. There's like the Taylor Swift, the business bitch. There's the Taylor Swift, the songwriter. There's the Taylor Swift, the artist, which is different to Taylor Swift, the songwriter. There's the Taylor Swift, uh, the video director, the, the person who's interacting with the fans, the person who's controlling right. a crew, the person who's leading a band. Like she has to like tone shift, code switch a lot. Yeah. And I think that's part of the reason why people see her as so like uh, calculated and like untrue in a way is because like people have a really hard time understanding women as being multifaceted. Like everybody wants women to either be like the it's like the 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 virgin and the whore dichotomy. Yeah. And she she attempted and they stoned her in the street for it. (laughs) Because spoiler alert, no matter what you do, you can't fucking win. This is the thing. Yeah. Um, so she talks about her social media and being image conscious. Um, and she says, now I check in and I see what's happening in 2015. That stuff does matter. If enough people say the same thing about me, it becomes fact in the general public's mind. So I monitor what people say about me. And if I see a theme, I know what that means. I've had it happen twice before in 2010. It was, she's too young to get all these awards. Look how annoying it is when she wins. Is she even good? And in 2013, it was, she writes songs about guys to get revenge. She's boy crazy. She's problematic. It will probably be something else again this year. There is no Spengali directing her career. There is no stage mother pushing her towards the spotlight. She is in total control of her own constructed reality. If there was a machine that built humans out of positive millennial stereotypes, Swift would be its utopian creation. It's such a weird way to describe it, which because, I mean, Taylor has like a really good way of like, I don't want to say this like too directly, but it's like kind of like latching on to the moment. Do you know what I mean? I don't. I'm not opportunistic, but I know what you mean. Like she knows how to make something work for her. Well, she did it with folklore. If this is even happening recently, like folklore, she knew this was the moment that I have to do this and I have to do it right now. Yeah, if I mean, there as was much ever a moment about, to do it, I'm doing yeah, it now. It's gotta be now. And it's never gonna happen again. So you better eat that shit up, boys. <laughs> because exactly. unless there's another pandemic. So, but that's also what's so exciting about her creativity is that her creativity is very responsive. It's like informed by the moment, right. you know? Not everybody can do that shit. No, not everyone can do it. Um, So yeah, she kind of goes on to talk about how, this is very ironic. She talks about how um, self-awareness was is the downfall of most failed music acts. She says that was always the catalyst for the loss of relevance and ambition and great art. So self-awareness has always been a huge part of what I try to achieve on a daily basis. It's less about reputation management and strategy and vanity than it is about desperately trying to preserve self-awareness since that seems to be the first thing to go out the door when people find success. It's like, yes, Taylor, I know what you're doing, but again, there's like a cognitive dissonance here. Like you don't understand that at this point, she's heavily reputation managing. She is being vain. She is strategically trying to like portray herself a certain way to the public. And it's not just, it's not out of a need to be self-aware because she's missing the mark, right? Like she's doing stuff that's not landing and she's not fully understanding why people are getting mad at her. So I think maybe like 
she lost sight of how to to be self-aware or she thought it was something and it was actually something else. Do you know what I mean? I know exactly what you mean. And I think that it has, it plays such a big part into like how famous and successful that she was at this time and just how many people were latching onto her. I think that she really struggled to see it as a bad thing in the moment. She, she just thought, this is great. And she completely lost herself and her self-awareness and a lot of the things that made her like herself, like in this sort of machine of the industry and pop culture and social media. Social media was a huge thing that she completely threw herself into at this time and didn't never thought to herself, this could backfire. Even when it kept happening, like with the Avril thing, backfire 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 and she was like oh i can correct even with Nicki minaj backfire backfire oh i can correct and she just kept correcting correcting until there was something that happened that she couldn't correct and that entire thing with kanye and kim was entirely social media she had no self-awareness about social media at no, she had time. no idea she she was no. operating on an outdated playbook for how to be a social media star like she didn't get right. it anymore that it wasn't about aspiration it was about relatability and that she, yeah. or sorry, that it had flipped. It wasn't about uh, relatability, it was about aspiration. She didn't really get that. And she thought that she could still portray herself as a relatable character, not realizing that, you know, people were a little bit more wise to the fact that she was like a mega star celebrity that had a vested interest in being seen well. And it's crazy that like, she thought that she was still being the relatable girl next door when she was surrounded by supermodels and was wealthy beyond most people's imagination. Well, this like, is the this, thing, I mean, this no is where the dissonance comes from. This is not yeah, self-aware. Exactly. And I feel like she, right. you know what? She's very aware of that now. Now she's very aware of this. And she like, like for the NYU speech, for example, she was like, I don't like to give unsolicited advice. My experience in life is very unique. I don't want to tell you guys what to do. You've had your own struggles that were much harder than what I've been through. Like now I feel like she knows when she needs to relate to people, she has to dial it down a little bit. Whereas before it was like, you will relate to me no matter what I say. Yeah. And, and like something like with folklore, I remember something that my brother said, like with reputation and even with lover is like, how do people relate to this anymore when she is singing about how, her relationships are unlike anybody else's because of the huge yeah, microscope. I forgot that, or, or even glass. I forgot that you existed. How can anybody relate to a song like right. that? She got too so meta. It's like, with folklore, like there is a self-awareness there where she's like, I need to go into my empathy and write from there and like make up stories that other people can relate to like that's why she wrote a song like betty that was about, her saving like, grace in high school right exactly i mean she had to do shit like that because she she can't write about her relationship with joe in a way that people understand which is why it comes across as so queer coded some of reputation is because like the forbidden like romance and yeah like we have to fight to make this work but or it's, do it in it's secret. about Right. So that's why it, it can be seen as why so many like uh, gay people can relate, like queer people in general can relate to that because it's such a that's kind of how she was latching onto relatability was with stuff like that. And so I think that's why she has such a huge gay fan base is because that's her relatability and reputation. But yeah. I mean, I'm just going off blah, 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 blah. You, you get what I'm saying. 
So another quote that I thought was interesting to pull out here was about the calculating thing. This is where it all started. I can't believe that this is where it like first came about this, her Mm. taking umbrage Mm. with this word. Late in our lunch, I mentioned something that happened several years ago. By by chance, I'd found myself having dinner with a former acquaintance of Swift's, I wonder who it could be, who offhandedly described her as calculating. This is the only moment during our interview when Swift appears remotely flustered. She really, really hates the word calculating. She despises how it has become tethered to her iconography and believes the person I met has been the singular voice regurgitating this categorization. As she explains these Ooh, things, I know. speech does not oscillate from the second mode okay sorry this is Katy Perry for sure it's Katy Perry I, I thought that exact same thing too I feel like Katy Perry I don't I don't is this completely like it, uh, something I've envisioned I feel like Katy Perry has actually called her that publicly before she has she has I think it was maybe even in the Regina George sheep's clothing tweet something there like along it was ah, around that time yeah Okay, 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 okay. So she go, Taylor um, goes on to say, she's like freaking out a little bit. She says, am I shooting from the hip? She asks rhetorically, would any of this have happened if I was? In that sense, I do think about things before they happen. But here was something taking, but here was someone taking a positive thing. The fact that I think about things and that I care about my work. That's a very reductive view of what this person is trying to say. <laughs> and trying to make that into an insinuation about my personal life. Highly offensive. Highly you offensive. Accident, <laughs> highly offensive. You can be accidentally (laughs) successful for three or four years. Accidents happen, but careers take hard work. True queen, go off. Here we see Swift's circuitous dilemma. Any attempt to appear less calculating scans as even more calculated. Because her professional career has unspooled with such precision, it's assumed that her social life is no less premeditated. This even applies to casual non-romantic relationships. Okay, I would say that it actually applies mostly to non-romantic relationships. She can't control that her relationships end in flames. Like that honestly doesn't seem like a thing that she liked at the time. It happened and she made use of it, but I don't get the sense that she enjoyed that. However, the friendships we can tell at this point are extremely contrived, are extremely premeditated. She is calculating. There's no if, ands, or buts about it. And I agree with her that, you know, she nothing about her career is a, an accident, but I don't think that calling her calculating implies that her career is an accident. She's making a really strange leap here. Yeah, it just seems like it. If it was Katy Perry, and if she knew it was Katy Perry, which obviously she does because they were talking about it, then she it. Katy Perry could have said any word, and Taylor would have yeah, been Taylor like, would have been like that bitch. That's the most yeah, well, insensitive thing. Of course, she would think that. Of course, you think that. <laughs> highly offensive. This is why I yeah, killed highly her. Highly offensive. <laughs> this is why she's buried in my backyard. <laughs> I shoved her out of a window, and she landed on a car. Yeah. <laughs> um. Yeah. So she, yeah. So, I mean, she kind of goes on to confirm. So then there's like a direct Q and A portion, like where Taylor gets to, I guess, answer questions directly, and this is about. This goes on to talk about Katy Perry. You never say who your songs are about, but you can see that if enough people believe something, it becomes fact. So by not saying who you're writing about, aren't you allowing public consensus to dictate the meaning of your work? Uh, he clocked her. Yeah, if, clocked. If, if everyone assumes that bad blood is about a specific person, aren't you allowing the culture to create a fact about your life? Taylor's response, you're in a Rolling Stone interview. First of all, unrelatable. And the writer says, who is that song about? That sounds like a really intense moment from your life. And you sit there and you know you're on good terms with your ex-boyfriend and you don't want him or his family to think you're firing shots at him. So you say that was about losing a friend. And that's basically all you say. But then people cryptically tweet about what you meant. I never said anything that would point a finger in this specific direction. Yes, you did. Yes, you did. Lies, 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 bitch. These are lies. This is straight up lying. And she she doubles down. 
I can sleep at night. I can sleep at night knowing that. I knew the song would be assigned to a person and the easiest mark was someone who I didn't want to be labeled with this song. It was not about heartbreak. It was about the loss of a friendship. He says the literate, no one would have thought that that was, I mean, she's insane. Also, it's a very non-specific song. Like you wouldn't be able to tell who it was about no. just from the lyrics alone. It's bland. Like it's, it's deliberately, it's, it was a pot shot. She you know, it was the, came she, on that Rolling Stone interview with a loaded fucking gun and she knows it. She said exactly what she said. She gave a specific anecdote about a specific tour and very everybody specific, knew about it. Easily yeah. corroboratable come on, detail. Come on. Come on. Taylor's not she, dumb. She, she, she knows she it. knows that if she if she sets the journalists, the bloodhounds on a story, if she points them in the right direction, there are people around who will corroborate the story and, and will imply it. something. Yeah, she loved it. She, she in fact, it. she built an entire promotional cycle for a single off of that one interview. She ran with it. People loved it. And she loved it. She loved that they loved it. It's really scary the way that she went after Katie with such a knife in her hand. Like I'm telling you, it's like a and then try to be like, no, I didn't do this that. This is why, yeah, this That's is why when people thing. say like the Katy Perry thing wasn't that bad. I'm like, I, it's not even coming from a place of empathy for Katie. It's about the literal borderline sociopathic way that she like tried to revise the narrative afterwards. It was crazy. And it's, uh, to, to be honest with you, like if Katie was keeping up with any of this, which I feel like she might've been, it's insane to me that she could ever be like, yeah, we're friends again. I know. No, the fact that Katie be- forgave Taylor, I mean, Katie hinted that it wasn't such a simple process. And also the fact that like she, Katie had to send an, a literal olive branch to Taylor. Taylor didn't do shit. Taylor sat on her ass and waited for Katie Ugh. to apologize for something that mm, I don't know if she actually did. She was well. trying to break the curse. She, all she was doing, she's like, my career is she was in the like, She's like, I need to sell a million albums. Please, lift it. I need a it. hit. Taylor, please, I'm on my knees begging you to lift the fucking curse. Let it go. <laughs> Sage me. Um, but yeah, so then the, so after that, the interviewer responds, but nobody thinks that song is about a guy. She responds, but they would have. No. Again, no. So I don't necessarily care who people think it's about. Oh, she's all over the place. She doesn't care. She does care. It doesn't matter. It's very clear. Uh, it should be about this person. I want everyone to know, but I don't care. I just needed to divert them away from the easiest target. Listen to the song. It doesn't point to any one person or any one situation. If you listen to my previous four albums, you would think this was about a guy who broke my heart. Nothing could be further from the truth. Why is she so concerned about what people think about Harry Styles when she's on there saying all this shit about him anyway? But this is why it's manipulative. She's saying saying that to deflect from the fact that she wanted to dunk on Katy Perry. She wanted to be a bitch, okay? Just own it. You wanted to have your villain moment. You wanted to do it. It's cowardly to backtrack on it. Like there is so much nonsense going on in this response. Um, And the the interviewer literally calls calls it out. He says, there are more than a few molecules of bullshit in this response. When Swift says, and that's basically all you say, she's neglecting to mention that she also told the reporter that the disharmony stemmed from a business conflict and that the individual in question tried to sabotage an arena tour by hiring away some of her employees. These details dramatically reduce the pool of potential candidates. I mean, it's like there's no literally, else. There's no one else. Yet consider the strategy's larger brilliance. In order to abort the possibility of a rumor she did not want, she propagated the existence of a different rumor that offered the added value of making the song more interesting that is really I mean I don't think she thought about it like that I think she honestly she wanted to take a shot at Katie and then she realized that it was actually kind of an evil we're talking about evil things she realized it was (laughs) an evil thing to do 
Um, and then she was like, okay, I need to backtrack. So let me like pretend that I was doing it to protect someone else. She doesn't care about protecting Harry Styles. She doesn't give a shit about protecting no, him. Please. Fuck him. Please. She put him on a fucking pike. She put him on a fucking She pike, said, remember literally. when you got into a snowmobile accent and almost killed me? Let me tell everyone about it. Yeah. Well, let me tell everybody about it, little boy. <laughs> Every person. Every single yeah. person. Like, as if, at, please, Taylor, as if, like, cut the fucking no, shit. That's a, cut it. That's another thing. I mean, it, the 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 extent to which she doubled down on how she didn't do anything wrong, even though, like, obviously she did. Would she, would she say that today? Like, I want to get her on the mic and be like, let's talk about bad blood. What would she say yeah, today? Because I think because she would change a, her fucking Honestly, team. that's a wrong that she hasn't fully made right, I believe. She hasn't really... I'm sure she's done her own reflecting. It's not enough to just say we're all good now and put her in a music video. Like, I actually think that Taylor handled that in a really fucked up way. And it would behoove her to just come out and talk about it at some point. Well, it would be I cool also if they talked about it together. I mean, that would never happen. But like, no, you know, I'm Jesus. sure there were other forces at play, like other people whispering in their ear. Also, like they were both vying for HBIC role. Like it would be, in, there's an interesting commentary there on what it's like to be a, a female pop star. And there's, I remember Katie said, there's only so many people in the world that can relate to what it's like to be an extremely famous female pop star. She was like, there's literally like five people that you can relate to on that basis. And it's a real shame when one of them decides to become your mortal enemy. That's so true. I, I, I mean, she hit the nail on the fucking head with that one. I, I think something that I think about quite often is like when I think about things that she says in lover and on folklore too like when she talks about i wounded the good and i trusted the wicked i think that's a reference to Katy perry and then when she talks about in the archer like i've been the archer i've been the prey definitely the person that she was shooting at was Katy perry in this is me trying when she says my words shoot to kill when i'm mad i have a lot of regrets about that but it's like you can't just say it in a song like you need to i feel i almost feel like Katie deserves like a public apology. I know. I mean, yeah, I would, I wouldn't go that far, but I agree with you in that. Like, again, I think that this wrong has not been made right because of the amount of bullshit that Taylor spewed in response. It was like, she could have taken her one shot in that interview in Rolling Stone and left it there. Like that was enough. Like that did enough damage, but she doubled, tripled, quadrupled down on it. It got brought up over and over and over again. And this is only the stuff that we know about. Like, we don't know what was going on behind the scenes. We don't know what kind of like shit talking she was sending through the girl squad, like how she was leveraging her network to personally like slight Ooh, Katie yeah. behind the scenes. We don't know like the full extent of what was going on. And Katie and was I mean, silent for most of it. She must've been like yeah, a little well, scared. How much, how would it have felt to have seen Taylor befriending literally every famous woman in the industry? And then you're Katy Perry. It's like, who did, who did Katy have? She had Demi Lovato. She had Miley Cyrus. <laughs> kind of. Miley the other outcasts like a, at the time. Miley was not in Miley a good place like, with the public. That was not a good ally to have. No, but that's who she had. <laughs> and, and Riff Raff. Don't forget Riff Raff. Oh, Riff Raff. Well, yeah. Oh, Ariana sure. Grande. Was, she had fun. Ariana Grande. She had Ariana Grande. Oh, Ariana, who's who's a noted like two sides of the fence. <laughs> yeah, like, oh. no, noted fence sitter. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, we need that needs to be made right at some point. But for all of those asking why we actually think that was bad, there you go. I feel like we've laid it out. <laughs> we'll get into it again. Yeah. I mean, because Katie brings it up eventually when she starts doing promo for Witness, her voodoo curse. Um, she does address it directly. So we'll get into it. I think that's 2017 probably, but it takes yeah. her two years to recover first. 
she's got to lick her wounds for a while. Like Katie literally went MIA for a while after this happened. I mean, it was literally like a low grade sort of like quote unquote cancellation at the hands yeah. of, of all for people someone who doesn't Taylor like Swift. to be canceled. I mean, you know, karma. I well, <laughs> we hate to say it, but like you know, we Taylor hate to say it. There's something there, though. I, exactly, there is something there, and also like I think that Taylor's perspective on Katie must have changed dramatically after oh, this happened. Oh yeah, she and you know what? Quite- when Taylor, when all the shit was going down with Taylor, Katie didn't take her shot. She didn't. She could have, and she didn't. And I think yeah. that says a lot about her character because everybody else was. Everybody oh, else Everybody was. who had been waiting, yeah. fucking waiting. And oh she gosh, just sat there, horrible. and maybe she was sitting there with her popcorn, just kind of watching. If anyone had a right to dunk and to celebrate and to, you know, play capture the flag. Right. Nope. She stayed, she she shut stayed up. quiet. She shut, she shut the fuck up. So good for her. She, so she that, stayed yeah. above it. She stayed above the fray. Something that Taylor yeah. has not been known to do this year. <laughs> um, so that's that's the GQ interview. And if you read it in its entirety, you'll understand why Taylor is never speaking to a journalist again. Um, it's just, it's too much. It's too close. It's too close to home. Mm-hmm. It was at a very vulnerable moment in her career where she wasn't quite sure what she was going to do next. I think she was just kind of blabbing, not thinking about it because she was giving so many interviews. Um, and speaking of interviews, she goes to Vogue, Australia, and she does a shoot. It's quite good. She's wearing Scaparelli Haute Couture, darling. It's similar to her Vogue Australia shoot from 2012 with the bangs, which I like. It's very like beachy, um, simple vibe, not that memorable, but I like it. And she reveals in this interview that she likes to um, sound check with her speakers off so that fans don't hear who she's going to surprise guest. I was going to say, how the fuck does that work? So how do you check the sound if there's no sound? I guess, <laughs> I, guess I guess she has in-ear monitors, but surely like oh, drums make yeah, sounds. But- no, even when they're not mic'd up, drums are loud. Yeah. I don't know, Shit, two idiots crazy. trying to figure out like how tech yeah. works. What do we know? What the fuck? We can't we even get your microphone to work on Zoom. Like <laughs> we're not the right people. Yeah. <laughs> we're not the right bitches. Um, but yeah, there's, what did you think of this look, Madeline? Do you like it? I like it. I, like you said, it's not memorable. It doesn't, you know, it's not like, wow. It's just like, she looks good. She looks cute. Not much we'll else. Any, you know? We'll take anything not heinous. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there's uh, not much juice, but she confirms our hunch that live TV is stressful for her. Um, yeah, nothing new, but good to hear that it's confirmed and our suspicions have always been right. Um, so she continues to tour throughout this month and there is an absolutely humiliating performance of style where she is dressed as Olaf from Frozen. Ooh, I don't know. I hated that. I hated that. <laughs> I don't even know what to say about that. It was humiliating. It was degrading. It was insulting. It, um, that was in, I think that was in Tampa because that was like the big show. I remember being a big, all those girls that like went to a dozen 1989 shows, they wanted Tampa. They wanted to go to Tampa. Cause it wasn't it like close to the end. Of it was Halloween. Year. No, it was Halloween. They were like, she's going to do something. She's going to do something yeah, weird on and Halloween. She, and she came out at, dressed as fucking Olaf. So I think- And she sang, Olaf. let it go with Adina Menzel. Seriously, if you weren't there, count your fucking lucky stars. Yeah, I would I would rather be like anywhere. Can you else. imagine That's you a- get your one chance to hear style live and she's dressed as Olaf from Frozen? She's dressed as a fucking <laughs> I would be so angry. Yeah, I'd be like, Are you fucking kidding me? Like sex I waited it up, in bitch. line for this? Strip. Yeah. <laughs> Take that off. <laughs> Strip right now. <laughs> Where's the legs? Where's the midriff? Show me. <laughs> 
Um, so then in November, she is still touring, living her best life, I suppose. She goes to Asia, then New Zealand and Australia to finish off the tour. She takes a little family road trip in New Zealand, I think, around Thanksgiving. She seems to be happy. It's a, She's being a little bit more low-key at the moment. Um, and I feel that this was her laying low moment before the blowback on the horizon. And when she's in New Zealand and Australia, she films some of the Out of the Woods music video, which, to be fair, had some very beautiful um, scenescapes in it when it finally came out. Um, and it is set to be the last official single from 1989, though New Romantics was given a half-assed single treatment with the tour video later on. Um, and in Australia, she performs in the Nova Red Room, Wildest Dreams, and Shake It Off. The Wildest Dreams performance is really good. I just don't care for Shake It Off done acoustically. Well, did you watch those, no Madeline? To it. I did. I, there's no fucking point to do Shake It Off acoustic. I mean, let's call it what it is. Unless you bring out the maracas. <laughs> for some reason like that <laughs> yeah unless she's got a beat you need to have a beat yeah, for, shake, she, for shake she, it off you can't just be like i day out too late on your little guitar it's like who nobody wants like this. And, and we need she needs her backup singers too because like she gets so breathless in the chorus <laughs> she needs like she yeah. needs support for shake it off she needs help <laughs> and but the wilder streets performance one is good i loved hearing it on an acoustic guitar Ooh, so good uh Wildest Dreams is one of those songs that I think can be put in lots of different contexts and like still be good because it's like it is a big pop ballad, but also at the same time you can take it down a notch and it sounds even better. Where is my Wildest Dreams on piano acoustic? That's what I want, period. As we always and, say, the best Taylor Swift songs are the ones that can be taken out of context, stripped down, yeah. remixed, reimagined, yeah. remastered. Right. So Wildest Dreams is one of the best Taylor Swift songs. Duh. Yes, exactly. Duh. And in December, she pulls over to meet a girl who is wearing one of her shirts on the street. I love when she does that. I just think it's so cute. And if that was me when I was like 12 and she pulled me over on the street, I think I would have just been I would have shit myself. That, I, I could have I died right there on the street. Yeah. <laughs> Can you like, imagine? I, because then no. you really like, like at, at that point, Taylor, like when you're that young, Taylor is not a real person to you. She's like no. literally God, actual God. Um, she also hangs out with her queen, Blake Lively. I think this is where their friendship really takes off because I don't remember them being like close before this, but it was a good sign to me that Blake never participated in like the formal flogging of the girl squad. Like she wasn't forced to. No, and you know, something else that I have to say, Selena Gomez never really, I mean, she did, but she wasn't like crawling all over it. Selena was a founding member. Like she had to be involved. There couldn't be a girl squad without Selena in it. You know, it would be weird if she didn't participate. I mean, come on. But it's like every, every, well, I say in every, but I can't think of very many new friendships that she made after the girl squad other than Blake Lively. But it's like the ones that she made like after are the ones that have really like, persisted i mean i guess she's still kind of friends with Gigi. i don't know some of the random models i mean martha hunt and jamie king yeah, jamie she's king. still friends with them yeah these nothings these literal yeah well nothings. i mean that's that's why she's friends with them because they don't that, have this like, yes this should be her new criteria actually for people in her life is nothing like you have to like, be nothing are you nothing nobody. yes you can be my friend <laughs> yeah <laughs> um so yeah i mean good to hear that blake lively is staying above the fray with Katy perry um, controversial <laughs> academic and theorist Camille Paglia eviscerates Taylor in the Hollywood Reporter. This is the meanest thing that's ever been written about Taylor Swift. Like, this is the worst. I like we didn't. Did um, you even read it again? I was like, I, I can't. I've I skimmed it. I have a lot of thoughts. I actually took like a lot of notes on it. This is where she's called the Nazi Barbie, right? And it's so unfair. It's like <laughs> it's it's she's called it's the, the Nazi Gawker Barbie. piece, called but on crack. Things. 
yeah it's the thing that always bothered me about it is like okay you know it's one of those articles that was written as like a feminist takedown piece about taylor swift which I, to me shit you know it's kind of like going back to what Katy perry said in her yeah. brilliantly worded tweet how ironic funny. to parade the pit <laughs> women against women yeah. argument yeah, when you're unmeasurably uh, profiting off the takedown of another woman. <laughs> um, so that that's one thing that I had a problem with. I mean, I'm not saying that she can't be analyzed and that she can't be sort of like- We do it all the time, through. but we don't we call do her a Nazi time. Barbie. But we don't call her a Nazi fucking Barbie. And the other thing that I think I took really big offense with, even at the time, and especially now, is that- it the main takeaway that I think a lot of people had was that Taylor was the devil because she was friends with people and looked like somebody who would have made fun of other girls in high school. It's like, well, here's the thing is that she was the one being picked on. Like now she's quote unquote Nazi Barbie. So of course you but can't if you see saw it her, way, but- what happened to her was actually what happens to a lot of adults as they grow up. Like you glow up. That's there's literally a whole term yeah. for it now. But if you saw pictures of her when she was in high school, she looks dorky. Like, yes, you could see the beginnings of the raw materials, but Taylor didn't start looking like a supermodel until speak now maybe she had the money the means yeah to do do her hair Um, right and get her it's like the it's it's um i don't think i think it's really weird to say that the girl squad is inherently anti-feminist like at its core because it doesn't make any sense like i mean i get it also because it's nothing it's not a political statement it's just a thing it's It's a group of women who like have no ulterior motive truly like these people like no offense are head empty they're not really thinking about like what's going on (laughs) No, and I mean, I here's you can make an argument like she's peddling this as being like so feminist that she has so many female friends, but it's like, well, what's wrong with it is is something that's internal. Like the mm-hmm. only bad thing that happened from the girl squad happened to her. Exactly. So it's like who else how... was hurt by this? Well, you know what, Madeline, to be fair, we do occasionally get listeners saying to us that the girl squad made them feel really bad about themselves. And that's something that actually Taylor addressed in her L magazine. Uh, essay remember that like the lessons before lover where she was like I didn't realize that what I was doing was kind of like repeating something that had been done to me accidentally but there's the key is that she was repeating it accidentally she wasn't doing it on purpose and she was definitely not cognizant of the fact that she was doing harm while it was happening no she all she thought that she was doing was gathering as many women around her as she could um and i don't think that she saw like you know a squad there's something in that terminology it's like this is my squad she wanted people to think that she was cool that's it that's the beginning and the end of the meaning behind the girl squad that's it but it's like if you take into account like what happened to Katy perry it definitely was like these are the women that are in my squad and you are not one of them it was sort of alienating you can't sit at my table but like again, I I would still argue there's nothing. Okay, so maybe it wasn't a victimless crime. It, <laughs> it Katy wasn't Perry totally was also, victimless. Katy yeah. Perry is the victim of the entirety of 1989. Call it what it is. But <laughs> again, to like write a like fucking like you're in a fucking yeah. Well, she's a shock jock to feminism. be fair. This academic <laughs> yeah, is well, like she's known for saying shit like this constantly. But you know, it was just a very, that's a very weird publication for it to be like carried by the Hollywood reporter is like not an academic journal. It's not like a review. It was very like, I don't know. Again, we were seeing the tide start to turn. It became very profitable to eviscerate Taylor Swift. It was like, it was, it was a whole genre of yeah. think piece in this year. 
everybody had to have a takedown to this article otherwise and they all said the same thing this is the thing there was nothing unique there was nothing interesting it was all like you said they were projecting their own insecurities onto what taylor was doing and that's not really like a proper takedown there were so many ways they could have gone about taking down the girl squad because it's a stupid thing right like it's easy to pick it apart uh, the, the the best one to go for was the lack of diversity in the squad and like the, the <laughs> barrier for entry. That would have been yeah. a good one to do. We could have done class politics in the girl squad. We could have gone oh, all oh, over baby. the place. Like seriously. Like nobody had the range. And here's the other thing is that nobody gave a shit. It was more about taking down Taylor than it ever was. It was about like having this like bitch has thought. had it too good. They're like, she's had yeah. it too good and she doesn't deserve it. So let's kill her basically. Pretty much. Yeah. It's to me, the girl squad like blowback. I, there was some of it was deserved and some of it really wasn't. This article in particular is one that I'm just like, I mean, really? Again, the punishment doesn't fit the crime. It was annoying. But to me, that's kind of where it ends. Like it was irritating. It wasn't bad. She's done worse things. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And it's like most of the things that she has done pretty much boil down to just being annoying. And it's like, I mean, she has she done some other things? Yeah, but it's like mostly she's just annoying. And it's like a capital offense to these people to be annoying and to be everywhere all the time. But it's Um, or it's like you can be annoying, but just not in my space. Like, do it away from me. Who are you? You're you're a fan, literally. You're yeah, (laughs) you're a fan. You're talking about her, aren't you? Put your Swifty cap on. (laughs) <laughs> so she's a, uh, yeah, put your Swifty caft on and raise your fist in the air. Yeah. <laughs> um, so she is keeping low now at this point. She's really kind of winding the year down. She goes to Delaney Clement's house, who is a fan that is suffering from cancer. And she sits with her and hangs out with her for a while, a couple days before Christmas. I, again, we talk about like her character flaws at the, at the very core of her being though. She is a kind and generous person. And she does like, she does a lot of this like under the table. Like she doesn't talk about it. She doesn't post about it. Like, she is, do you remember there was a period of time, specifically it was around between Red and 1989, where she was literally going to like cancer wards in different hospitals every day. Like every yeah. single day she was going, she was spending like an hour with each kid, like walking into the room with no security, like really low maintenance. She wouldn't announce her visits. Like she she has a heart of gold. I, like I don't want to be a suck up, but it's after saying so much shit about her. But like, you know, her public persona is very different from who, she is deep down, like her core, she's a good, generous, kind soul. And I feel like it's, it, it's one of those things that like, yeah, she's has a deep sense of empathy, which is what makes her such a good writer. Um, and I, you know, she's just not, I feel like sometimes people view her through the lens of like, she's not doing enough, but it's like, she has reached so many people on such a different level that you can't like put uh, you know what I like you can't take a picture of it if that makes yeah. any sense like people want Taylor has, to be everything right. everywhere all at once and it's not possible yeah. right like she it's can't she just can't be your mother your sister your savior your guardian angel your angel investor like she can only do so much as one person who has a lot of influence in this world and personally when I compare her to other like comparably big celebrities she has done amazing things like truly she has she has done things that you know I don't I think she's a good person obviously 
I I think at her core she is a good person and I think it kind of sucks that you know people will sit around and like rip her apart for something as stupid as having a lot of model friends <laughs> to to sort of like use as her shield like it was deeply personal thing that she was doing that was sort of like twisted and taken because of course everything that she does is sort of like put under a magnifying glass and like ripped apart and everything has to be about how how does this make me feel yes it's very everybody has a sense of entitlement to Taylor they're like why aren't you doing what I want you to do? Or why aren't you doing this in the way that I would do it? And how dare you, you're a Nazi Barbie because you don't. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, well, I think that it kind of takes away from a lot of the stuff that she does do. And it's like, at the end of the day, I think that she has a very pure inner, like even if she does come across as being like a human being every now and then, and she's not having as much fun as she's pretending. Yeah, exactly. I think that she still is like a good person. It's true. And the lesson that she's, the lesson she's learning throughout this year, I think, is that you can't win. You literally can't win. So the best thing to do is to say less. It takes her a a long time to learn this, but I'd say probably mid of the next year that we're going to talk about, she starts to understand that at a certain point, there's no point trying anymore to defend yourself or to correct your character. People are going to think of you what they will. And all you can do is just like, be as transparent and straightforward as you want to be on your own terms. That's it. It's kind of a scary lesson to have to learn to, to have to accept. And on her level, millions of people are going to think about me what they want. It's like, you can imagine that like on the small scale, like but even at work, like you don't people. like, it's not nice when your yeah. colleague doesn't like you. Can you imagine if the whole world is like hashtag Taylor Swift was over party? I mean, yeah, it's, rough. it's like an, you can't relate to it. And so when people sort of like dunk on her being like, well, it wasn't that big of a deal. And she's making too big of a deal about it. You can't imagine it. So maybe true. calm down. I mean, I, yeah. I say a variation of that sometimes, but what I'm getting at is not that it wasn't awful and like an extremely traumatic experience, just that she has mythologized it a little bit too much in hindsight. That's it. That's my only like. No, kind of I, I mean, when it. we were talking about like folklore and evermore, it's like we, we talked about how she banged on about it too much, which is true. Which is true. Like she kind of is like taking it like apart. She's almost like she has it like on the operating table, and it's like for you know every song she like takes out a different organ of it. Yeah. You know, and it's like this is it, what I'm it gonna feels look like at she's. Today. It seems to me that she's not done with it. Still, even still, no. even in the NYU speech, she was still talking about it. I don't know if this is one of those things that she's just not gonna let go of. There are certain things that she just won't release. And this seems to be one of those things. And it has I think trans- she's never transformed gonna over time. Yeah, she's not going to forgive that. It's not going to happen anytime soon. No. Um, so yeah, but I mean, we're got, we're so close to the end of the year. So before New Year's <laughs> Eve, she teases the Out of the Woods music video. It premieres on New Year's Eve. The video is a little, I mean, it's a little shoehorned as in like she's really trying to make that she lost him, but she found herself and somehow that was everything. She's really trying to make that happen. And it's like not quite happening. I do love the scene where she's like scrambling through the mud and the vines are like, like pulling her yeah. in. That reminds me of the piano scene in Cardigan. Very, very uh, iconic moment in the visual trajectory of her career. But yeah, I thought it was I, good. It was I, I liked the Out of the Woods music video, but I feel the same way you do, that it was like a little bit- A little bit nothingy. Like, she just wanted it to mean something more than it did. I mean, to her- I, I don't think that the out of the woods, I, I, the she lost him, but she found herself as like the core message of 1989. To me, that's not 
Like, I don't get that. Yeah, from I don't album. get it. It was no yeah, matter was, how many times she's tried to pound it into me. Like, I just I know because it wasn't even about a boy really in the first place. That's why, like, she can't say that and then be like, this was the message, you know, that doesn't really it doesn't right. check it, out to me. And also like the most iconic part of the out of the woods music video is that the dress appeared in the look what you made me do video, which says everything you need to know about the original video itself <laughs> was that it just wasn't that yeah. interesting. No. So period. Period. End of story. Well, I guess that's, that's it. Madeline, can you believe it? We're done. No, but uh, see, because I don't even feel a sense of relief because now we have to do 2016. <laughs> I, I think, I don't know. I don't know why, but we had been thinking to ourselves that like, I, didn't you think this as well? I, for some reason thought that 2015, once we got that out of the way, it would be smooth sailing, but 2016 no. is actually going to be worse because we're going to have to go no. through what everybody said about her. And I'm just going to get upset all over again. And it, it's, yeah, it, there is a lot. When, when you said earlier, like, oh, we just like ignored it. There was so much that I was actively ignoring because it was so, it was everything. It all was awful. The time. It was really Constant. awful. And it felt and catastrophic as well. It was like, oh, it's over. Like it is actually over. It, like the end, it like infected me. I remember, I don't know if you remember my video about what happened after um, Snapchat gate. Um, no, I don't. It was very, it, it my opinion on it was so skewed by so I can only imagine what like the average person thought about Taylor at this time if I was being I'm straight. trying to remember I'm trying to remember what I thought at the time I think at the time I was kind of like how is she going to get herself out of this one I think that was my feeling I was like how the That's fuck how I- is she going to untangle herself from this problem yeah. because it really didn't seem like it was it didn't seem like she was telling the truth there was too many layers to it too. Like you had, um, and this was through no falls of her own. This is just something that happened. Is like she was being the white woman in a To Kill a Mockingbird narrative, and she just couldn't. She was, there was no way that she could get out of it. She couldn't get herself out of it. If the only way she was getting out of it is for when the truth came out, which eventually it did. She was vindicated, of course, as always. Yeah. But you know. There, there are some people that who had their like perspective on Taylor Swift permanently altered by this event. And I suppose you and can't really discount that because yeah, it was based no on a lie. Back. It was not true. That's the problem is that it really, it wasn't true. And it's kind of upsetting because it, it took like the total um, dissolution of the Kanye West as a masterful genius, brilliant artist, like to fall apart and to see him for what he really was for her to finally have any sense of vindication. And I don't think it's any comfort to her because I think that forever she's- When it needed to happen, it didn't happen. No, and she was was always gonna be the evil bitch. Like to this Mm -hmm. day, some people think that she's evil. And ah, fuck it, you know, what can you do? <laughs> what can you do? Well, I mean, I Thanks guess we should leave it there because yeah. we have to we have to get into this in the yep. next episode. Yep. Um, but yes, thank you everybody for listening. We will see you in the next one. And if you would like to, please spare spare a few a few balls, my shake, dears. Shaking spare the cup, change. Shaking the cup. Feed shake the, the birds, tuppence a bag. <laughs> please buy me a coffee.com slash the snakes. Do it, bitches. Also follow us on Instagram. We're popping off on Instagram right now. Yeah. Okay. Bye, everyone.